I've, you know, my car, the only car we have is a camper van. We live out of camper van most of the time. We cruise around, do our thing, and, you know, we've planned our life that way. But only as I've developed more and more intention on what I want is that our life has got closer and closer to how we want to live. And that's been the most important thing. But do I believe that the growth, can we have that with happiness? Yeah, I think we can. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Dashlight Insider, the auditory epicenter for passionate property investors seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And joining me today is Josh Hamilton from the Uncommon Man Project. And if you want to know how to live a life of freedom, choice, and abundance, Josh is the dude. How are you, man? I'm sensational. Thanks, Goosey. Absolutely sensational. Mate, it's so good to um, spend a bit of time with you. So for those of you listening, Josh and I actually got to spend a fair bit of time together online, digitally, via the uh, the medium of the internet. Back in like, what was it, like 2018, 2019, I think it was, when we were both um, starting our businesses uh, respectively at the same time together. So, And it's been a little while since we've caught up. I'm really excited to dig into all of this stuff. Tell me a little bit about the Uncommon Man Project. What's it all about? Um, the Uncommon Man Project is about basically digging in, finding out what guys really want in their lives, what's holding them back, and the structure and processes and how to get there. So it's that's in four areas, so like wealth, relationships, health, and, and purpose is a big one. Awesome. I really want to dig into that. Wealth. So what are the four areas? Wealth, health? Health, relationships, yeah. and purpose. Awesome. Yeah. So not everyone who listens to this podcast is a male. But I'm very mm. interested to uh, dig into this whole idea because my point of view on the world, we have a fairly similar point of view on a lot of things, you and I, Josh. My point of view on the world is that like, you know, even real estate investing, like quite frankly, who cares about real estate? No one. No one cares about real estate. What we're actually trying to do when we're seeking to invest in real estate is we're seeking to create a better life, right? So then you get to ask yourself questions like, well, what is a good life? Like, how would I define better? How would I be happy? Because at the end of the day, like, that's what people are really trying to do. So if you kind of wind back, it's like, if I invest in real estate, I'll be able to create financial freedom, which means that I will be able to do the things I've always wanted to do, which means that I will be happy. That's really the the thing we're trying to optimize for. And so that's what I love about real estate investing is it is on one of those quadrants. It is on the wealth section. It actually helps people to progress. But I'd be interested to um, get your perspective. What do you think makes a good life? That's <laughs> a really good question. And touch briefly on, on, a, on a lot of things. But the, the very first thing, and people misunderstand this, but the very first thing is finding out, like, okay, well, what's going wrong right now? Because people don't, they think I want this, but they don't understand actually what the gap is. So they create this invisible gap that they don't actually know how to solve because they don't know one, where they want to go and why, and two, where they are now. So a happy life is understanding, okay, cool. Where am I right now? What do I actually want to change? Why do I want to change that stuff? So then where does it, where do I want to go from there? And like you said, everything kind of ends up in that one. I want to be happier. People want a state change. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest things we talk to our guys and when we talk about goals and we talk about a summit, we um, we dive down and we say, well, people talk about the end goal and means goals. And I'm like, okay, well, the end goal is this, but they're like, yeah, but I've got to do this, this, and this, and this in the process. I've got to invest in property. I've got to buy the land, but I've got to have the house. I've got to have the relationship. I've got to have this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, those all sound like means goals. What if we could just 
shortcut and jump to the end goal. Yeah, so this is a really interesting topic for me personally, and I think that it's going to be beneficial for for everyone. Now, when when I when we when Gabby and I started Dash Dot, like we we had five thousand dollars to our name, no safety net, no backup. We had no idea what we were doing. We, you know, it was like we were in the wild west, emotionally, spiritually, everything, right? And our motivation, as much as we wanted to help people, honestly, the thing that kept me going every day, 18 hours a day, seven days a week was fear. I was running away from failure. I was like, we, we, you know, we were so close, you know, to, you know, death in a, in a kind of like, we had no money and like, you know, it was, we were like on the line. So there was this like, oh my God, like we're getting chased by lions kind of like from an, from an adrenaline perspective. But then also like back when we very first started the business, we were going on, that was really the start of our personal development journey. That's kind of like what led us on the path. And in those early stages, when you're going from a, we kind of like walk around this this topic a little bit because I think it's going to open up something interesting. Most people never set goals, full stop, right? So most people never actually take the time to think about like, what do you want and could you even live a better life? And once you actually start to open up the door to the idea that you can create a better life, that you don't have to just go through the wake up each day, do whatever's in front of you, modus operandi, status quo, go get it, you know, go to work, come home, do the thing, which is what most people do. Once you actually start going, okay, what do I actually want out of life? It can be pretty daunting because you're like, well, you don't even know what kind of goals to set. And in the early stages, uh, I remember going to loads of seminars and stuff and it would be, you know, they'd be getting right out your goals and you'd be writing down Lambos and this and that and the other and like, mansions and private jets and all of that kind of stuff. And what was really interesting is that in the early stages of this journey for me, that was what I was doing too. You know, like my if I got my vision boards, it was like Rolls Royces and private jets and big mansions and stuff like that. And and I found that that was useful from a dopamine perspective because it was so grandiose that it would like pump me full of juice and be like, all right, we're going to go like, look at that. Just imagine how amazing that would be if I, I'll go, I'll, I will be successful if... I have, if I'm driving a Rolls Royce to my mansion on the waterfront, a waterfront mansion in Sydney, and I've got a helic pad in the back, I'll be successful. (laughs) And when I'm successful, I'll feel happy. Now, I had uh, what the Japanese would call a satori, satori, uh, earlier in the year, where I suddenly realized that none of it mattered. None of it matters. That's a phenomenal experience. That's a phenomenal experience. It was challenging in the first instance because. You know, I, I'm very, you know, I was writing out my vision and all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously it evolved over the years, but there was still like private jets and stuff on there. Hey, which don't get me wrong. Like, I'll be happy to own a private jet. So don't get me, don't mistake me there. And I'm, I'm into it, but more from a utilitarian perspective at the moment. I promise I'll shut up and let you talk in a second, Josh, I promise. But what was really interesting is um, I actually had found myself uh, starting to feel really unmotivated, really burnt out, really unhappy really kind of depressed. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on because the systems that I'd used up to that point were starting to fail me. Like I was like, I was looking at my goals. I was writing them out. I was doing all this kind of stuff. And I realized that the reason for it was that they didn't have any meaning because I realized that actually being happy had nothing to do with getting those things. And then I had to start asking myself the question around like, well, shit, what do I actually want? Like what, like what will make me happy? Like what is a worthy goal? Like what is a life well lived? And I realized it didn't have anything to do with a lot of that kind of stuff. And I had to, had to completely reframe the context of how I was, like what I was seeking, like 
why I was doing anything. <laughs> like, what was the point? Like, like I've always had a missional focus, serving others, doing all that kind of stuff, make an impact. But then there's the you side of it as well. And that was a big shift for me. So can you talk to me? Can you expand on that topic? Like, what's your perspective on this? Like, you know, materialism goals, they serve a function. They definitely serve a huge function. But like, how do you think about that? Can you talk to that for a minute? Right. Firstly, I think you underestimate how impactful that is of what you achieved, not just what you what you achieved, but then how you looked at it. That that changes people's lives because so many people will do what you've done, but miss the next step. They won't have that moment, and that is their life. Like it, when you said, "There's people who don't set goals and just think their life is the way it is going to be." I have that conversation with guys every day. And it is the thing that like, it breaks my heart. And to, to have that as your base mindset, imagine living your life and that's your level. You're like, I can't do better. Life's just going to be like this all the time. It's devastating. Can I, can I just jump in there? And I'm probably going to interrupt you a few times, but I, I just caught up with a friend of mine uh, in Melbourne and uh, he's like one of my good, he's one of my dear friends, right? From, from before I went on this business journey. He said to me over dinner, he said, we will always be middle class. Talking about him and his family, he said, we will always be middle class. Not that there's anything wrong with being middle class. That's Absolutely, that's not the point. But I was like, I said to him, I was like, well, I'm really glad you've decided how the rest of your life is going to go. And I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, are you, wow. But this is interesting because he is just a normal guy. Like, he's a normal, he's, he's, he's the 95% of human beings that exist. And I was like, holy smokes, this is the programmatic language that people have about their lives people don't understand like there's a guy called dr bruce lipton and he, he started off as a biologist and he does um the biology of belief he talks a bunch of whole whole bunch of stuff really boring stuff but some of the most interesting stuff in there is that he goes into the unconscious mind he talks about the unconscious mind being five hundred thousand times more powerful than the conscious mind it it like goes through 20 million bits a second right that that is the thing running your life. Those are the beliefs. Those are the actions. Those are the maps that you navigate every single piece of the world with. And your conscious mind does 40 bits. Every single person who is there going, this is my life. This is what it is. This is how it is. That is driving every single decision in their life, how they turn up in their relationships, how they turn up in their business, how they turn up for their health. Like It's just it's heartbreaking to see people live that life. And that, that's it. So how do you, how can people change, right? Because I, I 100% agree with you, right? So we've got this and, you know, what you think about is what you become, right? What you say is what you think about. What you think about is what you become. Like it's a, it's a feedback loop, right? And so and my genuine belief is that anyone can become anything they want. It's only limited by capacity to believe that it's true, right? So I'd love to get your sort of take on that. And also, how like what what's the first step to – because – I believe that the biggest problem people have is they don't have the ability to think big enough, right? So how, how do you, how can you crack that open? Like how can you start to get people to go, well, what is more? Like how can I rise above my current set of circumstances or how can I even think outside of that? Because they've effectively created a cage of their own mind that they're stuck in. How do you, how do you think about navigating that? So you've kind of scratched the surface with the idea that the problem being that people can't think big enough but there's a layer below it in terms of people don't even know what they're thinking. They haven't even examined their thought patterns or why they might think in a certain way or if their thoughts are their own. And so 
I'll give you the most optimal way and the most basic, cheapest thing that people can do with that. And this is bizarre that it's so easy, and that is the breath. Like 90% of people have what's called a reverse breathing pattern. This is, this is absolutely whack. So imagine you spend all your life breathing into your chest with all your secondary muscles. Imagine trying to ride a bike with your arms, right, instead of using your legs. That's essentially what people are doing with their breath. And over time, that creates migraines, but it puts you into a sympathetic state. In that state, you know, when you talked about the tiger and you're just fucking getting chased all the time, that is that state. You can't examine your thoughts. You can't examine your life. You can't examine why you're in the certain place that you have. So we go down the route of like, cool, teach guys how to breathe properly. And that's if you've ever seen a baby breathe, you watch their stomach go up and down. And that's the, that's the very first place. That's where we start because they become from that, they become aware. And as soon as someone is aware of something, it's like putting on those mystical goggles that you can never take off. They're like, holy shit, that's how I think. And I'm like, all right, now we're on. Now we're on the path. Can you expand on that? Because like that just I, – I understand what you mean, but somebody else might not. Like, okay, what, you just start breathing differently and all of a sudden you can start thinking differently? Like it kind of seems a little <laughs> – uh, like, yeah. how do you how do you get those two things connected and and like cool. how yeah just dig into that a little bit more. So there's there's two states. Well, there's a, there's a few states, but there's two main ones: parasympathetic, which is like rest and digest. It's how you should be when you're eating your food, when you're chilling out, doing all those sorts of things. Then there's a the sympathetic, which is really heavily connected to the language of busy. Like I'm busy, I feel like overwhelmed, I'm anxious all the time, I have all these tasks but I don't know where to start or what's going to give me a decent ROI on my time. Those are your two different states. If you get into the parasympathetic, everything starts to work well. Your your digestion increases, so you start to assimilate the food and get the nutrition out of the stuff that you're actually eating, as long as you're eating somewhat half-decently. The third thing is then your hormones start to work really well. So you look at people who are cortisol, so their cortisol is ramped through the, through the roof, which affects self-esteem, inflammation, your ability to move. Then your ability to move, obviously, if you can't do that, you're impacted by that, you're not recharging your battery because the body is a pump. So you can see that you can trace everything back, and then we go one step further and we go, okay, cool, you're getting sick all the time? Right, it's because your immune system's down. So your hormones aren't right, your immune system's not in place, and yet everybody's focusing on this one piece of like, well, if I just eat better and go to the gym harder and work more hours, then I'll get to where I want to go. And I'm like, you've got to unravel this whole thing, and it's much more simple than people think. Back to that breath, and when you can breathe into your stomach and into your diaphragm first rather than your chest, then that is the first process because that puts you in the parasympathetic. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So can you give us just a quick 30 seconds, you know, like if somebody wanted to do this now, like if somebody was like, yep. okay, cool, this sounds interesting. Like I want to get into my parasympathetic state. Is it just as simple as like breathing in through your nose and breathing into your stomach? Is it like, is that the, is that the 80, 20 of it? I'll get, yeah, I'll give you the, I'll give you the number one tool and cheapest thing I give guys piece of string tied around your belly button. So with your breath out, so your stomach in, you tie it up. And as you breathe in, the first thing that you should feel is the string cutting into you. So as you breathe out and you expand that, the string puts pressure on that, and then your chest is going to lift up. Do you have to breathe through your nose or your mouth, or does it matter? You can breathe through either. Ideally, your nose is Mm. always the best way to do it, but some people have broken noses, all kinds of deviated septums and issues. Mm. But 
ideally nose, but just getting that breath into your stomach and you are winning. You're off. Off to the races. It's interesting. And how does this um that sounds like physical, right? So you breathe in, right? You get your body starts working better. How does this loop back to your thoughts? Like how do you how does it actually give you the capability to start thinking about your thoughts, which is metacognition, right? So metacognition is the the process of thinking about thinking, which can sound a little bit like, you know, thinking about thinking. But honestly, I think it's probably it's it's so it's so important. It's so important. And I think because I don't I don't have the same tools and experience and, and as you do, but I think about it as like every time you go and take an action, asking yourself, why am I taking that action, right? So I, I wake up and I drink coffee in the morning. Well, why do I wake up and drink coffee in the morning? All right, I, um, you know, I, you know, any of the actions that you might take in a day, just ask, just it's a simple process to start asking yourself, why am I doing the things that I am doing? Is, is this, um, is this- that's, that's such a phenomenal practice. Mm-hmm. Like, that is such a good practice to have questioning your, your own thoughts, but also just questioning your own actions. Why am I doing this? Like, oh man, because my boss told me, because I thought it was a good idea. Or, and from a business perspective, what, it's such an efficient tool to get to where you want to go faster because you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> oh, this actually makes no sense at all. This is not moving us forward. So, looping back to, you know, when you talked about the tiger chasing you and you, you, you're in that unconscious mind, I have, use the example of have you ever driven somewhere? And when you're driving to your location, you get to your location and you're like, holy shit. Did I go through that town? Did I make that turn? I must have because I'm here. I'm like, that's your unconscious mind literally taking you. It's called unconscious competence, taking you on your journey. And if it's that powerful to get you from one destination to another in a car and you're Mm. in that all day, every day because you're busy, you get into places fast, you don't have time to question, you're doing all these other things, that's how you're going to live your life. So the, the thinking about thinking Breath slows you down and it enables you to give you that time between response and being responsible, reaction and response. That's basically it in the most simplest way. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's um, Victor Frankl said in, in between input and response, there is a space. And in that space, we have the opportunity, to, we have the, the ability to choose, um, choose happiness as well, by the way. And it's really interesting uh, that, so, that's it's good to kind of. Leave. I like you know me. I'm very practical and pragmatic. So I'm like, okay, cool. We slow down our breath. Then what? And we feel good. But like, then what the fuck happens? Oh, okay. The process of slowing down the breath means that your body starts to come down, calm down, which means that your thoughts start to slow down. You feel less anxious. Then you can actually start to feel the space in between those thoughts. Actually, give yourself the room to kind of move and start to think and question and understand, rather than just running on autopilot, full steam, cortisol running high, pump, 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 off you go. Yeah, it's. It's a super interesting. So let's just exp- let's take this. Let's continue on this thread, okay? So let's say we can start to let's say let's say that the that people can accept that slowing their thoughts down and asking themselves, you know, like starting to actually think about the things they're thinking is the kind of if they can accept that that's the right move in the right direction. How do you then think about goal setting as it relates to success? happiness, all these kind of things. Because it's easy to be like, right, you know, here's how you set goals and you make a big list of shit. But in a very practical sense, that's actually going to help people to get towards actually closer to actual happiness. Like how would you, what would be the next step to progress on that journey? Cool. So this is, this goes back to your thinking about thinking. So 
I was, my partner and I designed a house, right? We designed this really beautiful house. It was kind of going to be our dream home. We had this architect do all this work on it and we ended up with this really pretty drawing and a way too expensive house. It wasn't big by any means. It was way over our budget. And I was like, holy shit, this is, this is a nightmare. And we'd already paid stacks of cash to get the architect to draw it up. So it was like, okay, cool. Now we're in a black hole without a house. And he was like, don't worry about it. You don't need to put a kitchen in. Like he put all the things that we need essential for a house hadn't even put a kitchen in. He's like, what are we going to do without a kitchen? So we went through all these things. However, because of that, it gave us time to go, okay, what do we actually want out of a house? Like, Why do we want to build a house in the first place? Okay, cool. We want a, we want a home to host people. We love hosting people. Okay, cool. We want a roof over our heads for safety and security at the base level. That's cool. So suddenly we redesigned this whole house for a fraction of the price. We, we got it built and it's like our dream. It's not a flash house. It's not on the beach. It doesn't have all of these flash things, but it aligns with every single one of our values, mm. which is the next step because people are like, cool. If you want a Lambo, what about it? that Lambo do you want? And be honest with yourself. Do you want status? That's totally cool if you want status. If you want to be a big dick swinger and that's what you think is going to do it for you, awesome. That aligns with your values and that's fine. But most people, if they haven't got that tool of being able to slow down and think, will just start doing things mm -hmm. and get, like I said, some people don't ever get there in their life and they're on their deathbed with regrets or they get to where you did to the top of that first summer and they look around and they go, oh, shit, ladder's been on the wrong wall. I'm at the wrong summit. Or better, they're like, I'm at the kind of the right summit. I just need to change my next view and I'm going to take a break right now and a breather and reevaluate. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Because when people set the wrong goals, it only ever leads to unhappiness because either, one, they never achieve the goals or two, they achieved them and realized that they didn't, they shouldn't have achieved them in the first place. Yeah. And that's, that is a big issue, particularly if you've got very big goals, right? And then I've spoken to loads of, you know, people, loads of people who've become successful in loads of different ways, you know, through real estate, through business and all of that kind of stuff. And they had this idea, this is the when then fallacy that when they achieve this, you know, pinnacle of success, when they get the big car, the big house and the fancy car, then they'll be happy. And then they get there and they realize they're not happy. And it's, and it's, Super interesting, right? Because we have this idea that more is better. And it's um, a, a little story, actually. So Gabby and I are currently in the process of moving from Bali to Thailand, but via Australia. So we've got all of our stuff with us. We've, and so we went to visit my um, my brother and his and his uh, family. We've got about five suitcases with us. It's, we've got like a fair, we've got a fair bit of luggage, right? It's, it's about a hundred kilos worth of stuff. Which, if you're traveling, you're like, oh my god, that's hundred kilos. But like, this is our entire life. It's our business. It's everything. We've got camera gear in there. We've got all the stuff that we need. And it's quite funny because um, we were staying with my brother for like a weekend. And given that we were just there for a weekend, we had way our bags were way too big for a weekend. And my little nephew, we're bringing the bags out to the car to leave. He's like, why have you got so much stuff? And I was like, well, actually, this is our entire life. And he followed me out to the car and I said, I put it in the back of the car. And I said, this is it. This is all of our stuff. This is, this is that. It. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, this is all of our stuff. Like this is our entire house and everything. He goes, really? Is that it? And he said, no, no offense, but you don't have much stuff. 
<laughs> I, was like, good. I was like, this is brilliant. He's like, no offense, you don't have much stuff. I was like, no, that's the point, right? And, you know, so we have this, even at a young age, we have this belief that more is better. And I want, I'd love for you to, to help frame some thinking around that, but I'm going to add one little piece in there as well, which I, which I think is really useful. I heard a, a, um, a context from some Zen, Zen Buddhism the other day. Uh, and it was that happiness is only found in the brief moment between the changing of desires. And so all desire is suffering. And what we tend to do is we tend to set these goals, like I'm going to do X, right? And so the, achieve, the, the process of going to achieve that thing is suffering, striving, all of that kind of stuff. Then you get to goal and then you're like, fuck, now I've got it. Oh, I, I know what I need. I need to set another goal. And so then I'm off. I'm going to start suffering again in the pursuit of this this goal. And there's just that fraction of a second or whatever it is, that fractional moment in between those two things where you're still, where there's silence, where there's space. And that's where the happiness exists. So how do you think about this? Like, how do you think about that? There's like all this suffering. We're seeking more. We've got this innate belief for more. How do you, is, is it good for us to try and achieve more? Or when's enough enough? Yeah. I asked myself this question so many times because I'm like, would we have created some of the things that we've created as humans if we didn't have this innate desire for like more, to like create more and do more things? And I've, I've got a funny backstory because people are, oh, you're CEO of a company, so you, you must be a big dog. I'm a little dog. I've, you know, my, my car, the only car we have is a camper van. We live at a camp event most of the time. We cruise around, do our thing, and, you know, we've planned our life that way. But only as I've developed more and more intention on what I want is that our life has got closer and closer to how we want to live, and that's been the most important thing. But do I believe that the growth, can we have that with happiness? Yeah, I think we can. And I think I do a lot of the time because I desire the desires that I have. I'm very specific and I'm very clued into how they align with myself, my summer and my partner's summer. And then I know that it's going to take time. And mm. I know that the journey's there and I know that every other day just leads us closer to there. And I have the odd belief as well that I've found has always supported me too. It's like, well, if it doesn't work out, doesn't work out but still you're going to learn something you're going to get something out of it so even when people get to the wrong goal if they've got a decent philosophy or a decent way of thinking they get to it and they go oh yeah man i stuffed up a lot of things there this is the wrong place but i learned this this and this and life still gets better Mm. it's a great point you made and i think that actually probably does define it it's like if so I heard Jim Rohn talking about, uh, and so for those of you who don't know, Jim Rohn was kind of like Tony Robbins' mentor, like he was one of the, the OGs in the whole kind of self-development uh, space. Uh, when he, his, his mentor, I think it was like maybe Earl Nightingale or something, like one of, the, one of, the, one of those guys. And he, anyway, his mentor said to him, this is back in the whenever, the 50s or 40s or whatever it was, he's like, become a millionaire, not for the money, but for who you have to become in order to achieve that goal. And I think that that is the, that actually probably sort of 
defines it because like we do I, I believe that self-actualization is the only worthy goal right and self-actualization is the continuous process of becoming the best version of yourself so then the goals that you set are not actually about the goal they're about the process of evolution that you get to undertake in the pursuit of those things which are in and of themselves meaningless but useful to give you the context of self-development on that path which is pretty uh interesting what do you think about that so apart from the breath which we talked about earlier so one of the first things when we talk to somebody who's onboarding right and they're like oh is this for me is this not for me and i'm like cool you've got two choices you continue making the same choices that you are right now in this identity that you have or you change to the identity that you have to be in to get the results that you want. I always use the Tony Stark Iron Man example. I'm like, they are two different people. They get two different results and they act in two different ways, even though they're the same. And so we just do an identity piece. It's like, cool. Mm. Let's use weight as an example. You're 100 kilos. You want to get down to 80. How does an 80 kilo person act? What are their actions? What are their thoughts? What do they do on the daily basis? You could literally journal that out and be your own self-development coach and follow that process and win, like win majority of the time. That, and that's self-actualization. And I used to, I guess there was a big piece of me that used to hate the idea of manifestation back in the day because it was kind of, it was like this floppy, flappy term. And I was like, just sit and visualize it and all these things will turn up in your driveway in your house. I was like, it was kind of the first thing that got me into personal development at the same time. It was the secret, the book, the secret. And then, then as I've got further along the path, I realized that if you connect the unconscious mind with the self-identity piece, that that is manifestation. That is self-actualization. That is you creating the maps of your world and your reality. And it, it's classic. And I think for people who um, I used to, I used to work on the super yachts. I remember this kid, he got a 30,000 euro dollar watch for his birthday. He was 15 years old. And I was just like, holy smokes. That is, that's crazy. Why would you give a kid that? Like he's never going to understand reality. And then in that moment I went, this is his reality, mate. Like he, this will be the rest of his life, whether he creates it or not. Like this is reality. From that moment on, I was like, let's roll. Yeah. Like, let's go. Do whatever you want. Create whatever you want. I'm like, this is awesome. And that was a, that was a real defining moment. Funnily enough, it was, it was weird, but really just spot on. Yeah. It's fascinating. The identity thing is a, is a really interesting context, right? Because the only, like at the end of the day, we're all meat sacks, right? We're all meat sacks. We're all made of the same stuff. We all breathe air. We all eat food. We all drink water. So what is the difference between, you know, me and a billionaire? Identity. At the end of the day, it is the belief systems, the behavior patterns. You know, it's the it's that subconscious that you were talking about that, that drives most of the activity. It's the, it's the unwavering understanding or the knowledge that that is who they are at the core. And it's the who you are piece, which is the biggest shift. I mean, I've gone through a massive identity, several. We all, we should continue to do it, right? And so your ability to continue to evolve your identity to become, to continue to explore, for me, it's a quest of exploration more than anything else, is such a big thing. And you can decide that. Like your identity isn't, your identity isn't you. It is just a, 
It's a suit that you're wearing at the moment. It's your ego at the end of the day. It's basically your ego's way of defining itself. Like, I am a hard worker. Okay, well, that's a nice identity. But, like, what? how is that serving you? Well, some part of your ego is telling you that by working, by, by labeling yourself as a hard worker, you're more virtuous, that you're a salt of the earth type person, and that you, you know, this is your place on earth. But, like, and this is... The, the ego defines all of these characteristics. Like I'm a healthy person or I'm fat, right? That's like, that's a, that's an identity thing. And that is your ego, whether you're like it or not, which is giving you these boundaries or guidelines to, to define yourself. So if you can change that narrative, if you can change that understanding of your identity, you can become who, whoever and whatever you want. Like that as well. Yeah. Like we, we call it the be, do, have model. So mm. everybody wants to have. I was like, then there's more people who move up into the do, you know, the old to-do list. Man, how yeah, yeah. was today? It was really good because I ticked off all my to-dos. I'm like, right, yeah. okay, cool. And then you go to the next level, which is the being. And I, I use like a leadership example. I'm like, Guys who want leadership positions, it's like, well, just start showing up as a leader. You'll get the position. It's yeah. not like the old days where you're like, oh, hey, Goose, you've been here 30 years, mate. We're going to, we're going to move you up into a management role because you've been here so long. It's like, yeah. does he have the skills? Is he showing leadership qualities? Like, just be a leader. It's, fun, it's funny. I say the same thing. I've said the same thing to the team as well. It's like you could be the CEO if you want. Like all you got to do is start acting as like start doing the things. Like you know, like you want to be a leader, start acting like a leader. You want the new position, start doing it. Like just start doing it, and then it becomes. Then everyone's like, "Well, that's that person. They're already doing it." Like I mean, it's like you, you, it becomes irrefutable because it becomes a, a core. Like it, it becomes a reference point for everyone else. I want to pivot just slightly because we get honestly, we could spend an hour on identity. Yeah. That's such a big one. You mentioned something earlier, intention. I don't know if it was intentional that you you mentioned it, but you mentioned intention, and it was in the context around like living with intention. I read this article recently, just in the last couple of days. It was like the article was about what is life. Like specifically, what is life? Just, was this just light cafe reading? You it know, was, it was just yeah. Something- <laughs> it's the kind of thing I was, that's why I like just. Uh, but it was really interesting because it's like at a, at a fundamental level, like what is life? And and somewhere in our history, some objects became animated, and some objects did not become animated. Like what the hell? What the hell? Like what is that? And you can't say it's like oh things that move because then you've got fires, you've got hurricanes, but they're not alive. So then it's like what actually is life? The, here's the Cliff Notes version. Nobody knows, right? But the best explanation that currently exists in science is that life is matter with intention, which is really interesting, right? Because in that context, like your ability to master your intention is going to specifically dictate your capability to do whatever. I mean, like, why is a rock sitting there? Because it doesn't have any intention. Why is a caterpillar growing and shedding? It's got intention. So I'd love to get your thoughts around the role of intention as it relates to fulfillment, happiness, success, all this stuff. Okay, so literally before I jumped on this call, there was a swarm of bees just outside, like a massive, right? And my mate's sitting there next to me, he goes, Look at that. That's pretty chaotic, isn't it? But at the same time, perfectly organized. And I was like, that's a, that's a phenomenally good point because I was like, what is creating that system? 
Mm. What is animating those guys in that way that there's this giant swarm that just managing to not crash into each other and do their thing? And I look at their intention was to build an S for their queen. So forth, they went ahead of it. I look at that intention and I look at that animation of life and that connects directly to the flow of life. And people, I reckon, majority of people you can talk to, you can ask, when have you felt like everything was just working for you? Whether it was on a sports field, whether you just had a day and you're like, holy shit, that was phenomenal. And I think having intention aligned with your values and where you want to go is the thing that puts you in that flow mm. and creating that intention every single day is what allows you to, we'll use the word manifest the life that you want without the concept of like, why am I grinding? Like, why does it feel so hard? Why does it always uphill? I'm like, those bees didn't feel like it was uphill. Their intention was just to do the thing. So, so do you think then if someone's feeling like they're just grinding, like they're in the mud and they're just like, oh, every, they're just shoving and they're getting nowhere and they're just like, oh, I'm stuck. And no matter how hard, the, no matter how much effort they put in, they just don't seem to be getting the things they want. What do you think is the core thing? Do you think that they're, their behaviors are out of alignment with their values or do you think that their um, direction is wrong or like how would you kind of – how would you think about that? I don't want to get – I don't want people to get too woo-woo on it and think, okay, cool, I'll go burn some sage and just like go into my unconscious mind and start shifting all these things. That's part of it for sure. Sometimes you're just rowing the wrong boat. Sometimes maybe the boat that you're rowing is just shit. But you could, let's say in business, you've got an offer that's just no good. Mm. It's just not actually working for people. And you could try, it doesn't matter how good you are, how hard you work, it just doesn't work. And that's, those are really hard truths to face up to. Those are tough. When you are in the right boat and things aren't going well and one person's maybe paddling that direction and you're paddling another one and it's just kind of wiggling rather than going in a nice straight line, that's when I look at things like, cool, are you actually aligned with your values here? Do you even know what your values are? And if you do know, what's your intention to get towards X, Y, Z? And how are you using your values, which are your compass, to get there? Because lots of people make a left turn in business. They don't realize why they lose their intention. They're like, oh, man, we got to, we got to the seven-figure mark. And then they're like, so let's go this way. And I was like, hang on. What got you to the seven-figure mark? I'm not saying that's going to get you to the next eight-figure mark, whatever it is for you, but you were on a journey. You were enjoying it. You are aligned with your values. Everything was going well, and now suddenly you've taken a left turn and everything's hard and chaotic and just not flowing like it used to. That's when I would look at things like the unconscious mind, your values, and your intention. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you're right. Sometimes you just got to know you're on the you you know you, it's it's the wrong you're doing the wrong thing but i still think at the at the core that comes down to your values like even at the core because like let's say let's just say you had a business and for whatever reason it wasn't successful right whatever that means but let's just say and, and you could easily look at that business and and you could say well fuck that i'm going to go try a different business or whatever or if that was still like deeply aligned with your personal values, like would it be okay if it wasn't like tremendously financially successful if it met your other, like if it was like, oh, but it's actually really helping these four or five people that it's really helping, like would that be okay? Something goes in with relationships, right? And it's like, you know, 
How do you know if you're in a bad relationship? Well, typically it's a values misalignment, right? That's going to be the typical kind of thing. And so, but if you've got the aligned, but if you've got aligned values, but the relationship's toxic, well, at least you've got aligned values and that gives you a platform to work from. And you could go, okay, okay, maybe this is fixable, but if it's misaligned values, then maybe not. Yeah. And it's, I think you, and you've mentioned flow, uh, I think a couple of times uh, in this podcast as well. And I think that if people can align their, actions with their values and their goals with their values, the pathway becomes a lot clearer. And the the Tao Te Ching talks about the principle of Wu Wei, effortless action. And that to me is how you know you're on the right path. Like when things feel like they work and you, you then get, get, get to start to step away from this idea that more effort equals more outcome and it's like actually more alignment with yourself, with your true self, with your values, tends to make you go a lot faster. In what direction? Well, whatever direction is the the way. Yeah. How do you how do you think about that? Like versus versus these kind of like, um, you know, like if you look at Mother, Mother Teresa, would you say she that she was successful? So yeah, you, you you've hit the nail on the head. Was she happy? Back to our first thing. Like, was she content in her life? I'm like, yeah, I would. And is that guy who's got a six-figure business, but he loves what he's doing, and he's thinking, oh, I'd love to have it as a seven-figure business, but everything's actually, like, his life's good. His relationship's good. He's great with his kids. His fitness is good. His wife's really happy. I'm like, that to me smells, tastes, looks like success, if I'm totally honest. And I was like, sometimes people want to put more horsepower behind something for no apparent reason but just to be bigger. Yeah. But it's usually comparison, right? It's usually because they're looking at somebody else going, my objective measure of success is am I as big as somebody else or better than somebody else or, you know, it's this kind of like comparison is the thief of joy metric. Yeah. yeah. It should only – I believe in comparison – only from a point of view of helping yourself push to get better. I used the example the other day of a like, uh, husband buying his wife a car and the young common man looks at that and goes, wow, that's, that's impressive. I can't afford that right now, but how could I turn up on my relationship better? It's like that's where comparison works. If you're comparing yourself to be like, well, I'm not him, then. Yeah. Do you think, yeah, do you think that that, that contextually is more about changing belief systems then rather than like giving you a measurement stick? Like um, Elon Musk has built several billion dollar companies. Well, at least now I know that it's possible, right? Versus I need to go and be Elon Musk. You know, it's so that, that I think that can be useful because a lot of people have asked me, like, how did we grow so fast? And honestly, I was like, well, I just went and tried to find people who'd already done it. So, for example, like a, a classic, we grew from a team of four to a team of 85 in 18 months, right? And the, what, the, part of that was like, I was like, I looked up Disney and I was like, okay, well, they got 295,000 employees or whatever and they're 100 years old. I'm like, okay. So, they've got to, if you break that down, that's 2,950 a year for 100 years, right? And I was like, okay. So, I'm trying to hire 10 people and they were hired 2,900. I was like, okay, cool. Let me get my – and it's useful from that kind of like breaking down limiting beliefs. But I also didn't sit there and think, well, I'll only be successful if we've hired 295,000 people. You know what I mean? So, where do limiting beliefs come into this context for you? Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. 
and that's where I think that's where I enjoy my job the most is I just pick something, just grab that, and we ex- and that's the ability to help somebody else examine one idea and their thought pattern, and then go, can they release it just like mm. that, or do we have to do some work around it? And it, it, it it's instantaneous. It's it's phenomenal to watch because once you change that belief and once they've got a new idea, they might slip back and go, oh, yeah, that, and then they just remember and they go, oh, yeah, well, Disney did it, so mm. I can figure out a way to do it. It's just such a massive thing, but people, there is a – there is a shadow side to that. The dark, the other side of the coin is people will spend all their time trying to fix beliefs and traumas and stuff like that. I'm like, mm. don't you, you're looking in your shadow. Like, don't forget how freaking awesome and how much light you've got. And don't forget about that part because mm. that's also phenomenal. Like, yeah. that's an important piece of the puzzle. Love that. So, a month of time, you've obviously got a tremendous body of knowledge in this area, which is obviously helping a lot of people. How do you, like, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I want to I get some more juice out of this, like, where do they, like, how can they think about engaging with you or what would the process look like? We've, we've been super blessed. We have an amazing group. We've got about, I think we've got about 23,000 people in our performance group now. Wow. That's so, massive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's huge. And the idea is there is we just, not everybody goes down the coaching route. Not everybody can afford coaching. Not everybody wants coaching. So we just have a place because one thing we know for sure is that there's not a lack of knowledge for guys or girls. So we just put people in there and we drive them to execution. What do you want? Cool. Here's some trainings on how to find out how to find out what you want. Now you need to go do X, Y, Z and off you go. And some guys are like, oh, can you help me? And you're like, yeah, let's do it. And some people go and smash it up themselves. Some people do it through coaching. So we just drive it. We just tell everybody to come to our group, get a massive level of support, and we even run free calls for people. We have a what's called a manifestation Mondays now, and we get people with intention for their week ahead. How do we drive that? Yeah, I actually just saw that. I was actually just um just checking out the the website just before we jumped on the thing, and I was like, manifestation Mondays. I nearly signed up to. It. I was like, this looks good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's this good looks fun, good. mate. I love it. Yeah, love it. Love it. Awesome. Okay, and so if people want to engage with this, where do they go? Facebook, High Performance Men yep. group. Okay. Straight there. Awesome. Or the best or our website is just uncmp.com. Yep. Awesome. That's probably the easiest place. Love that. That'll take you through all our stuff. And is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wish that I had asked you or anything that you want to share um, that you think would set people up for success on this path? Or just generally that you want to share? You don't have to want to set Pip Life as success. Yeah. You could just make it up whatever you want. <laughs> I think don't don't underestimate uh, community and support around you. Don't ever underestimate the environment because it is huge when you're sharing things like you did the other day with your mate in Melbourne mm. and he was like, you know, I'm just middle class. The fact that you could share a story or an idea or just a different thought pattern mm. on his idea that could literally change the trajectory of his entire life. Yeah. So never underestimate having people around you. It's phenomenal. Yeah, 100%. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Awesome. Josh, it's been so good to catch up with you for the first it's time been- in a long time, and hopefully it won't be as long between um, you know verbal drinks, so to speak. It's been a real pleasure. I'm looking forward to catching up again soon. Mate, really appreciate it. Thanks, guys.